0: Welcome. Thanks for joining us. You're about to hear a message from our Wednesday night Solid Rock Youth Group service. Solid Rock is a ministry of Living Word Family Church. And if you'd like to know more, check us out at our website at www.livingwordfamily.org. Yeah. Basic human instinct. How they feel. I think I'm a pretty good person. I think this is okay to do. I think this is okay to do that type of thing. So they're basically living by their own their own subjective standard, right? Is that what you're going to say? Oh, what were you going to say? Go ahead. They're what? Living blinded. Living blinded. Okay. Now, we can see that, but they may not understand that, but that's a good way to look at it. They may, they may not have an idea of the true nature of the world around them. Do uh, you, you remember the series we just got done with, Spiritual Warfare? They don't believe anything like that is going on outside of the realm of the material world. So they are woefully unprepared to deal with anything outside of the, the, the physical present world that they're in. So they're going to live by their own subjective standard, their own subjective rules, right? So now how is an agnostic going to live? Now, obviously, we're making some broad generalizations. So if you know an atheist or know an agnostic and somebody, you know, maybe this isn't exactly how they live their lives or whatever, we're making a simply a generalization to make a point here, okay? So how is an agnostic, how does an agnostic person conduct their lives? If they... Don't really, they're not saying that there is no God, and yet they're not really saying that there is a God. They're kind of like, you know, we're, I'm still searching. I haven't really figured it out yet. I don't know that if you, I don't even really know that you can know. How are they going to live their life? Are they going to live their life pretty similar to the, the atheist person? Yeah, pretty similar, because they, they, they don't really have any basis for, um, for how to live their life outside of their own subjective reasoning, right? what they think is good, how they think is a good way to live their life, how they think is a good way to, to treat other people, right? They won't really necessarily stand on any particular standard. certainly not any religious standard because that's not really tied to anything because they don't necessarily know whether God exists or not. Does that make sense? So to tie it to our trust fall exercise here, okay, when Johnny knew even if he might have kicked his foot a little bit. When Johnny knew that there was somebody behind him, there was somebody there that was going to catch him, he fell back, right? It may not have been 100% perfect. He may have kind of mudged his foot a little bit. It's just human nature. You kind of brace yourself. But he fell back, right? When he knew nobody was there, he knew for sure nobody was there. What did he do? He didn't fall back. He didn't trust. He kind of did his own thing. In fact, you remember, he grabbed this. He's like, I know nobody's there, so I'm just going to hold on to something else. Something else. They're his own standard, his own law, his own rules, right? Now, when you told him, now somebody may or may not be there, did he go ahead and fall because, you know, maybe? No, he didn't. He's going to protect himself, and same thing that he, uh, the, 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 the same thing that he did when he knew nobody was back there. Does that make sense? So we see how closely related uh, a, a, the life perspective is, and everything an uh, uh, atheist and agnostic can be, right? Now, take that, and let's push that forward. Let's take a Christian, okay? We're not going to get into discussion about all the other world religions or anything like that. Tonight we're going to focus on uh, basically a believer and an unbeliever, okay? So we're talking about unbelievers versus how a believer lives and how a believer should live, okay? How should a believer be living? Because they know God is real, Right? So they should be living their life how, Aiden? Christ-like. What's that? Christ-like. Christ-like? Yeah, based on the example of Jesus Christ. Absolutely. How else? What do we know as Christians, as believers? What do we know is coming in the future? The end, the end right? Yeah. What's involved in the end? The return of Jesus Christ. So we know we have a future hope. We know that we're, we're we know where we're going when we die. When the end of this material life is done, we know that we have a home to go to. Does that make sense? So we're going to live our lives accordingly. I want to live my life pleasing to God because I know that God loves me, that he has a plan for me, that there is something outside of this physical, material world that I am living for. Does that make sense? So I'm going to live accordingly, or I should. That should be the way that I live. Like I said, we're making generalizations here to make a point, and I'm going to get to that broader point here in just a moment. Did you know that Jesus is actually, for a fact, coming back? Do you know when? Hunter, are you raising your hand that you know when? Oh, <laughs> I'm like, I know you don't know the answer to that question. Daniel? What's that? Oh, now see? He rose again at Easter. And that's why we celebrate Easter, Resurrection Sunday. Hey, that's not a bad answer. Now, that, that is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, we're talking about the second coming of jesus christ when he comes back the bible says he will come back and he will draw the church to himself his children the family of god he will draw them to himself now i'm not an end times expert i'm not an expert on the book of revelations i'm to be very honest with you to be very blunt with you i am not 100 sure how that's going to happen or what it looks like when it does but i do know the bible says it's going to come suddenly it's going to come suddenly and we're going to look real quickly we're going to look at matthew chapter 24 And stick with me here, stick with me here, because I'm making a point. Matthew chapter 24, the disciples are talking to him about what's going to happen in the last days, uh, uh, because, now remember, if you remember in the New Testament, there had been other messiahs, people who would claim to be the messiah, people who claimed to be the savior of Israel, okay? And what happened? Well, they weren't real. So they would gather a following of people, there would be people that would actually start to follow them, They would get killed by whatever. There would be an uprising, there would be something. They would get killed, and those people would just kind of trail off and dissipate. There was just nothing to it because there was no truth behind it, okay? Now, Jesus comes on the scene, and he makes claims of being the Messiah, the Savior of Israel, the Savior of the world. There's truth to back up his claim, and we see evidence of that as we go on throughout the New Testament, and as we see, again, we'll open that whole can of worms tonight. We talked about that, I think, last summer, the summer before. We talked about the evidence for the gospel, the evidence for Jesus. Um, A great book, a fantastic book, if you really like, man, I would like to see what this evidence is supposed to be, is The Case for Christ by Lee Strobel. Real quick, Lee Strobel was an investigative reporter, gosh, probably back in the late 70s, 80s, give or take. And he set out, this was his mission, okay? He was an atheist. He set out to actually disprove the Bible, to disprove Jesus Christ. To basically put a nail in that coffin and say, none of this is true. This is all made up. This is all fabricated. He set out to do that. And as you read through this book and everything that he found and the people that he interviewed and everything that he he discovered along the way, he actually, instead of disproving it, he proved it and became a Christian, turned his life to Jesus Christ. And uh, it's just a really, really good book. So if you're one of those people, one of those real analytical people, you're like, man, I'd like to know, I want to know these uh, you know, dot my I's and cross my T's, I want to know, I want, I want to see what the evidence for this is, that is a fantastic book to pick up, in fact, if you're really interested, I might even have a copy in my office that you can grab, uh, anyway, so, Jesus is the Messiah, did they not answer, uh, guess you guys aren't getting pizza tonight, just joking, uh, no, you're really not getting pizza, but, uh, so Jesus comes, and he makes claims of being the Messiah, and we know there's truth behind those claims. So the disciples are talking this out with him and saying, what's going to happen and all this stuff? And what's going to happen when, you, when, when the Messiah returns, the second coming of Christ? And in verse 37, chapter 24 in the book of Matthew, we see when the Son of Man, this is Jesus, when the Son of Man returns, it will be like it was in Noah's day. In those days before the flood, the people were enjoying banquets, And parties and weddings right up to the time that Noah entered the boat. People didn't realize what was going to happen until the flood came and swept them all away. That is the way that it will be when the Son of Man comes. Two men will be working together in a field, and one will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding flour at the mill, one will be taken, and the other left. Now, do we need to take that specifically? A couple guys are going to be in a field, a couple women are going to be grinding out in a flour mill somewhere. No, what is he saying here? He's basically saying people are going to be going about their daily lives, day to day. They're going to be working. They're going to be going about their business. And all of a sudden, like, out of nowhere, one's going to be gone from each of those situations. People are just going to be taken up with Jesus, okay? He's saying how quick and sudden this is going to be. Continue on to verse 42. So you too must keep watch. Now, listen to this. This is one of the things I want you to see here. Verse 42, so you too, you also must keep watch, for you don't know what day your Lord is coming. Understand this. If a homeowner knew exactly when a burglar was coming, he would keep watch and not permit his house to be broken into. Does that make sense? If you know, if you get word that somebody's planning to break into your house at night, what are you going to do? You're going to double-check all those doors? You're gonna have a baseball bat handy and maybe even have a few big friends over. Something, you know what I'm saying? You're going to deter that burglary, right? Because you know it's coming. But if you don't know it's coming, you'll either be prepared or unprepared. Well, Matt, if you don't know it's coming, how can you be prepared? You're just ready. You are always ready. You are always on watch. You are always on guard, okay? This is also a little bit of what we talked about when we talked about our spiritual warfare series and having that whole armor of God. We put on that armor of God as believers every single day. We are ready and prepared to do battle for the King of Kings. So verse 44, you must also, you also must be ready all the time, for the Son of Man will come when least expected. So if you hear somebody saying, Oh, such and such date, you know, we, we worked all these math codes out from the Bible and we figured out the special number, and here's the date Jesus is coming back, no, that's not gonna happen because Jesus himself said, I don't even know the day. That's for the father to know. Nobody knows when he's coming back. So our job as believers, as part of the kingdom of God, as part of the family of God, is to be ready. To be ready. A faithful, sensible servant is one whom the master can give the responsibility of managing his other household servants and feeding them. How does that translate to us? We want to be sensible children of God. We want God to be able to give us responsibilities and duties for the kingdom. And we want to be about the Father's business. If the master returns and finds that the servant has done a good job, there will be a reward. There will be rewards in heaven. When this life is over, there will be rewards based on what we've done for God in the here and now. I tell you, verse 47, I tell you the truth, the master will put that servant in charge of all he owns but what if the servant is evil and thinks my master won't be back for a while and he begins beating the other servants partying and getting drunk now listen listen here so we've got two servants we are we are looking at a we are looking at two people and how they live their lives one is living his life because he knows the master is coming back he knows what the master expects and he wants to be found doing that when the master returns when his boss comes back He wants to be found with the house clean, the dishes washed, and the other servants fed and happy. He wants everything to be in order when he comes home. The other servant says, you know, I think he's going to be gone quite a while. I'm going to party it up. I'm going to live it up. I'm going to mistreat people. I'm going to drink. I'm going to have my fun. And then the master comes home. His boss comes home, and he didn't realize he was coming home, and he's in big trouble. He's in big trouble. He gets a pretty harsh punishment. This is the comparison between those who expect nothing, no end, no afterlife, no rewards, no punishment, no nothing. They can live how they want. They have their own subjective rules to follow, their own moral rules. Now listen, this is, I'm not joking about this. This is something we need to be very watchful for and very careful of. As you guys get older, and as you work your way through school and college, there is, a, there is an incredible pressure and push to completely rip out any kind of moral authority from your life any kind of moral authority for your life well who are you to say that this is wrong this is what I feel like this is right so this is okay for me to do I've actually seen interviews where people are talking to college students or or what have you and they tell them so is it is it okay to because they just asked them about this whole subjective truth and moral, uh, their subjective morality and how what they think is right is not what I think is right and this whole thing. Uh, And so as a side note, truth is truth. It's a fact, right? Okay, two plus two is four. It will never be anything else. It It is what it is. So anyway, so they have this conversation. So then they ask them after having this conversation, so is it okay for somebody to steal from somebody else? And so the person basically said, well, it depends on the reasoning, or it depends on this or that, there's no it's, there's no right or wrong, it's just kind of, if it's okay for them, it's okay for them. And then so he asked them a series of questions, questions that would all be logical to say, no that's wrong, or no that's wrong, or no that's wrong, or whatever, and this person couldn't say that, because they have nothing to tie their morality to, or they have a complete lack of morality altogether, okay? and they 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 are so worried about offending somebody or so worried about telling somebody what they're doing is wrong as they refuse to tell anybody that anything is wrong. Does that make sense? Do we see that modif- do we see that modeled in the word of God? Jesus never pulled punches. Jesus says those who live like this are going to get punishment. Those who live like this are going to please the father. I mean, he just he laid it out right the way it is. He laid out the truth, he laid out the word. Paul did the same thing. Peter did the same thing. They were all they didn't pull any punches. Okay? You read the, uh, uh, the letters that, that Paul wrote to the Corinthian church, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, and you'll see he disciplined them, he, he castigated them because some of the things that they were doing in the church were wrong. And he said, now listen, this isn't the way to do it. Here's how you do it. Okay? In today's world, in today's culture, out there in the world, if you say, this isn't how you do something, this is how you do something, all of a sudden, man, the long knives are out. How can you tell me how to live my life? How can you tell me this, what I'm doing is right to me? and that's all that matters. As a matter of fact, I believe it was Oprah Winfrey, she was doing an interview or something, and she actually, she actually mentioned the term, or she said, you've got to live your truth. And truth is truth, right? Truth is truth, regardless of, of who it is. Okay, now there may be perspectives. There may be, you know, I've, I've grown up a certain way, so I see one, I see something. We can both be looking at truth and maybe see it a little bit differently, possibly, but truth is truth. There's not your truth and my truth. Truth is truth. There's your perspective and my perspective, but truth is truth, okay? So we see the two different servants that Jesus is talking about here and the uh, the difference in how they live. One is living because he knows that that. His master, his boss is coming back. The other is living as if his boss didn't come back for a very, very long time. Ashley and I had a friend in high school that um, Ashley and I were both very involved in the youth group, very involved in church, and uh, she would try to invite particularly one of Ashley's friends. I mean, we were, we were together, so it was a friend of both of ours, but it was one of, somebody that Ashley grew up with. So she kept inviting her to church, and uh, this particular friend would say, oh, I'll, I'll do that church thing later in life. You know, I kind of want to do my thing right now. What does that sound like? That sounds like the second servant, right? Oh, there's, I've got tons of time. I don't, need to, I don't need to tie myself down with faith or morals or rules. I just want to live my own way. I want to live my own subject. You know, my own subject what I think is right is right for me, and that's all there is to it right now. I'll, I'll play the church thing. I'll do the church stuff later, okay? Is anybody in this room guaranteed a later? No. We have now you may or may not have later. So the time to make your decision, the time to make your choice is now. The Bible says, for now is the acceptable time of the Lord. Decisions need to be made now. First Peter 3.15 Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life, and if someone asks you about your Christian hope, always be ready to explain it. Be ready. Be ready to give a reason for the hope that you have in your heart. Be ready and, and serving God every chance, every opportunity you get. Now, I'm not saying that you have to be 24 hours a day, seven days a week, every moment of every day, uh, reading your Bible and, and just being about everything. But do you, know, do you understand where I'm coming from, being in that, in that position of being used by God and serving God and following his, uh, following his, his precepts and following the, the word that we see laid out and his expectation for us, okay? That doesn't mean we're not going to mess up. That doesn't mean we're not going to make mistakes but we are on a trajectory following after God, following the path that he has laid before us. We're not kind of off to the side doing our own thing, making our own rules, right? We are actively serving God every moment that we can. So Peter says, always be ready to give an account. When somebody comes and talks to you about it, like, why do you live this way? Why do you do this? Why do you go to church all the time? Why do you, you know, we need to be ready to talk to them about why we have the faith and hope of Jesus Christ in our hearts. And then also First Thessalonians chapter 5, starting in verse 2. For you know quite well that the day of the Lord's return will come unexpectedly, like a thief in the night. When people are saying everything is peaceful and secure, then disaster will fall on them. Suddenly, as suddenly as a pregnant woman's labor pains begin, and there will be no escape. No escape. Has anybody ever, uh, is anybody old enough to see, like, not see, but like to be around for the birth of a younger sibling? Anybody at all? Kayla, you've been, right? Kayla. So, what happens when. Those labor pains start when that baby's ready to come. Do you tell it to wait? No. It's when that water breaks. When that when those contractions start. It's it's game on. It's get to the hospital if you're not already there because usually the contractions start before the water breaks. But like it's game on. There's no you know hey I'm gonna wait a couple of days I'm not quite ready today I've got a, an appointment to get my hair done just not quite ready I'm gonna do my thing right now no it's it's done it's going it's happening. Uh, Right, babe? It's happened. Uh, We've been through it a few times, so we know how it works. Uh, As a matter of fact, when my brother, I'm pretty sure it was my brother, uh, when my brother was born, my mom said that they barely even made it to the hospital. Like, literally, she was about to have my brother in the car. They dropped me off with a babysitter or something, and they, like, busted into the town, into the hospital. And mom said they almost didn't make it. Like, when that baby's ready to come, it's ready to come. So when when they talk and hear about the Lord will come suddenly like a thief in the night. And he gives this example of, um, uh, of a pregnant woman. When labor begins, there's no escape. There's no stopping it. It's it's coming, whether you're ready for it or not. And then in verse 4, it says, But you aren't in the dark about these things, dear brothers and sisters. Because he's, he's talking to believers here. He's encouraging believers here. You aren't in the dark, dark about such things, dear brothers and sisters, and you won't be surprised when the day of the Lord comes like a thief. For you are children of the light and of the day. We don't belong to darkness and night. So be, and that's a figure. We're talking. He's talking figuratively here. Okay, we're good, not evil. We belong to the light, which is a representative of the goodness and love of Jesus Christ of God the Father. We don't belong to the darkness. We don't belong to evil. We don't belong to the nighttime. So those are figures of speech. It's figurative language there. So be on now. Listen to this part now. Be on your guard, not asleep like the others. Stay alert and be clear-headed. Stay alert and be clear-headed. What am I trying to say here tonight? What is the message for you tonight? Is to be ready, to be about the Father's business, to be serving God every day at every opportunity to say, God, what do you have for me today? What can I do for you today? How can I serve? How can I be a blessing to somebody today? How can I be an encouragement to somebody today? Father, will you give me opportunities to share my faith today? It could be something as simple as helping somebody pick up a book if they stumble in the hallway and drop their books or stumble up a step and drop their books. Everybody ever had that happen? I think just about everybody going to public school has stumbled at some point and dropped something. (laughs) Now, if somebody's there to help you pick that up, is that, in that moment, is that a blessing? You feel like somebody's got your back, they're there with you, they're not laughing at you, they're helping you out, seeing if you're okay or what have you. And if nobody's there, there's like a void. It's kind of like, okay, I feel like everybody's looking at me, everybody's laughing at me, you're picking up all your own stuff, nobody's there to help you out. So it could be something as small as helping somebody who's who stumbled and dropped something. Or it could be something as huge as walking someone through a crisis in their life in their family, praying with them, sharing an encouraging word, sharing with them the word, the truth of the gospel in that moment. There are any number of ways that we can walk out our faith and walk out this purpose that God has given us. There are any number of ways that that can be done. But the point is, we need to be about the Father's business because at any moment, literally at any moment, this life could be done. And in the blink of an eye, We could be standing before the throne of God. Giving an account for everything we did in our lives. Now, I'm not saying that salvation is by works. I'm not telling you that you can be saved or more saved or a higher level of salvation because you're working, you're doing something, okay? No, the Bible says salvation is by faith alone. Faith in the finished work, the finished work of Jesus Christ. That is how we receive our salvation. That is how we receive assurance by the Holy Spirit that we have a home to go to when we're done with this life. Because this body's going to give out someday. I'm believing that mine won't give out until after I'm 100. That's a personal goal that I've set for myself. So I appreciate if you guys can stand in faith for me for that. I'd love to see some great-grandkids, maybe some great-great-grandkids. It'd be really, really cool. I'll tell them what it was like when cars used to drive on the ground. Think about it. Walk with me here that is a i'm 37 i just turned 37 so that means that i have to hit my goal 63 more years 63 years i'm looking thank you i'm looking i'm looking at my life just in my short span of my life 37 years what has happened how far we've come with technology i'm no i'm getting on a rabbit trail and i apologize but If I live to be 100 years old, oh my gosh, I just can't even imagine what's going to happen. However, you know what? That's a goal that I have. I would love to live to be 100 years old. Who knows? Jesus may come tomorrow. Jesus may come next week. I have no idea. So between now and my goal of 100 years old, regardless of what happens between now and then, I am going to live like he's coming tonight. I am going to live as if when I lay my head down on that pillow tonight, I will be opening my eyes in front of God. And the Bible says when that happens, there will be no excuses. There will be no, uh, but wait, I'm not ready. It will all be gone because at that moment you will know the truth and the glory of God in a greater way than you have ever known before. And you will be speechless in front of it all you'll be able to do is fall to your knees and worship God because it will be so glorious and so amazing. So I'm going to live my life looking towards that moment. Living with heaven in mind. Living with eternity in mind. Like that servant who made sure that everything was in order for when his master or when his boss returns, that's how I want to live my life. I may not be perfect. I may not get all the dishes clean all the time. I may stumble along the way, but I'm going to do everything in my power with the help of God, with the help of the guiding power of the Holy Spirit to to serve God each and every day of my life. Now, I hope you're with me. Worship team, you guys can come on up. I hope you understand the importance of that and the importance of living for Jesus Christ. You guys can stand up. It takes a commitment. It takes a decision. we have to decide to follow jesus christ and that starts with receiving him into our hearts receiving that gift of salvation that was paid for that was bought with jesus blood for us receiving that and then from the moment after we receive it we become a child of god and we can start doing the work of the father we're no longer living for ourselves we're no longer living for our own uh, subjective rules and morals what we think is right or wrong. No, we're living for a higher authority. We're living for the king of kings. We're living by his guidelines, by his precepts, by his rules. And I know rules is a, it's a dirty word, right? Rules is a four-letter word. We don't like to say rules because that means that somebody's telling us what to do. And I don't like to be told what to do. I am going to live my own way. But the funny thing is, when you live life your own way, nothing to fall back on it is you and you alone by yourself it's like when Johnny was up here when I told him there was nobody behind him he didn't want to fall he was by himself he was all alone in the world where where's he gonna go he can't fall forward he can't fall side he can't because there ain't nobody there but when you are a child of God and you know that God has got your back and you know that God is there for you you know that in his word are is truth and life and there are things in his word that will help me walk out my faith and that will help me walk out the, 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 the truth that he has placed in my heart. When I know that, when I know that I've got God on my side, I can fall back every single time and know that God has got me, know that he has a higher plan and a higher calling for my life. I'm no longer living for myself, I'm living for him and for a higher purpose. So tonight as we worship together. If you have never made that decision to follow Jesus Christ, to receive that free gift of salvation, I want you to come up here tonight, and you can leave tonight, number one, knowing that you are a child of God and that heaven is your home. You will be welcome into heaven because you are part of the family of God. And number two, knowing that you have a God that you serve a God who loves you so much, he has always got your back, no matter what's happening in your family, no matter what's happening in your school, no matter what's happening in your own mind, just the things that, you're, that you struggle with, you know God is right there with you. If that is you, if you have never prayed that prayer, I want you to come up here tonight, and I'm gonna, the microphone will be off, it'll just be me and you, we're going to pray that prayer together, receiving God as your Lord and Savior, into your life, it's a simple prayer and you can leave tonight changed forever. If you've already prayed that prayer, if you are already a believer, a follower of Jesus Christ, then what I want you to do is from your seat, worship him like you never have before, knowing that tonight could be the last night that you do it here on earth. Knowing that in any moment, he could come back and he could say, you're my servant. How have you kept up the house? How have you kept up the things that I have asked you to do, the things that I have called you to do, the talents and skills that I have given you, how have you used them for me? Worship and ask God to continue to renew your mind, to refresh your heart, to refresh your soul, so that you can go about his business every day. All right? Let's worship together.